The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Brian Sullivan, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show airs live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It is 5 a.m. on Wall Street, and here is your top five at five. Will this wild week continue today? Futures, they are higher after the S&P's worst day nearly a year. The Nasdaq and big tech coming off their biggest drop in a year and a half as Facebook makes history and not the good kind. But this morning, it's all about the beats, starting with Amazon and its first prime price hike in years. Plus, Snap surging in some wild pre-market trading. That stock said to add some $20 billion in market value at the open. But are you looking for some possible stock bargains? Well, good news. Your Friday insider buying is back with one huge name, making one of the biggest buys we have ever seen. It is Friday, February 4th, and this is Worldwide Exchange. Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome from wherever in the world that you may be watching. Happy Friday. I'm Brian Sullivan. We've got a very big show for you today, which includes NFL great Des Bryant on his big NFT play. He is here live in a few minutes. But right now, why don't we kick things off with your money? Stock futures, they are higher across the board. Technology looking to continue its volatile week with NASDAQ futures up more than a percent. So we're seeing a big rebound in the market today. All this coming off a 4% hit for the NASDAQ yesterday. That was that index's biggest drop since September of 2020. And you had a lot of activity, very heavy volume in both the S&P 500 and the NASDAQ market ETFs. The SPY, seeing north of 117 million shares traded yesterday, it's 30-day average is just 106 million. The Invesco Triple Q, 94.5 million shares traded, topping at 74 million share, 30-day average. In other words, markets fell, and a lot of people were doing a lot of trading. Well, as stocks fall, oil keeps going higher. Oil, it is now above $91 a barrel. That, for the first time since fall of 2014, it's very simple. Oil demand is up. Oil supply and inventories, they are down. The oil and gas stocks, they are up as well. The XLE Energy ETF is now up 22% just since January 1st. And look at this. Over the past year, energy stocks have outperformed the NASDAQ QQQ by 56%. 33 of that coming just this year. Oil stocks up 22, tech down 11 Wow, what a crazy world. All right, speaking of the world, around the world, it was another wild day of trading. In Asia overnight, you got Europe just getting started. Let us find out what is going on with Juliana Tottlebaum in our London newsroom. Juliana. 
Brian, good morning. Great to see you. So as for the overnight session, Hong Kong was really the standout performer there, but we did see green across the board. The Hang Seng up 3.2%. It was the first day that this index traded after a three-day holiday period. And within that basket of stocks, we saw technology uh, equities catch quite a bid. So uh, perhaps taking the cue from that after-hours trade, you saw stateside. Turning to European markets, it's been a little bit more of a mixed picture. We've got some red on the board. The DAX in particular is down down about 0.8% this morning. FTSE MIB over in Italy also seeing some selling pressure. FTSE 100, though, the standout um, from a positive perspective, that index is up about 0.4%. Worth showing you how uh, foreign currencies are faring this morning with particular focus on the euro. We're currently trading 0.2% higher to 114.64. Yesterday, uh, of course, a huge day for central banks. And the European Central Bank, while they held steady on policy, Christine Lagarde, the president of the ECB, did not push back when asked about uh, rate hikes for this year. In December, she said it was highly unlikely that the ECB would raise rates in 2022. When asked to repeat it, she didn't do so. So now we are seeing analysts change their views on the euro and many uh, now beginning to call for that long euro short U.S. dollar trade. Brian, we'll send it back over to you. Juliana, thank you and have a wonderful weekend. Appreciate it. All right, well, this morning is all about earnings and some outsized moves. We are seeing a few key technology stocks make some crazy trades right now and kind of making history in their own ways. All right, first up is Snapchat parent Snap. It is rocketing. Look at that. I mean, the stock's up more than 20%. Social media company reporting its first ever quarterly net profit. Company posted adjusted profit of 22 cents per share. That compares with a consensus of $0.10 cents per share. Next up, a little company you might have heard about called Amazon. It is also surging at the open, or will, and after posting a huge earnings beat for its most recent quarter as well, Amazon raising the price of its prime product to $139 per year. Investors obviously love it. Stock up 12%. And with a stock of that size, it is going to move. Kind of like Facebook did to the downside. Apple should do to the upside today. All right, so speaking of the broader markets and what has been a crazy past two days for investors, especially for the NASDAQ, and what the mega cap tech stocks taketh away, they apparently giveth right back. Well, you need another example. Well, after Facebook imploded the market yesterday, Amazon, which we just showed you, could right the ship today. All this is the Fed looks to raise interest rates and your next guest tries to answer the question, what year is it? Joining us now is Brian Levity, is global market strategist at Invesco, and he obviously knows what year it is. But I believe, Brian, your question was sort of more about what year in stock market and economic history is most analogous to what we are seeing today. Did you come up with any answer? Right. Is it 1994? Is it 1998? Is it 1948? Yeah, you, you, I've been getting that question a lot. And I think people want to say, you know, maybe it's 2015. It's the beginning of a tightening cycle and we've got some time and the stock market's going to have a big advance. Maybe it's 94 uh, when Greenspan raised interest rates seven times. I actually think it does feel more like the post-World War II period, maybe a 1946, 1947. What was unique about that environment were the American soldiers returning to war, forming households, buying a lot of household goods at a time 
when the factories had been repurposed to build armaments. And so we had a supply problem. And what ended up happening over the next year or two is we rebuilt supply until the economy became oversupplied. And so inflation went up significantly and then came down significantly. So we're in a unique pandemic cycle. It's not perfectly akin to a war, but nonetheless, we're dealing with very similar challenges, a lot of demand on the economy and trying to get people back into the factory so that we can get the uh, production back up significantly. And I wouldn't be shocked to see an economy a year, a year and a half from now that could be potentially oversupplied. Okay, well, we know the economy is not the stock market. Sometimes we try to tie them together. Shame on us because they're totally different things. In 94, we came out of a recession. The Fed, by the way, was raising rates aggressively and the stock market boomed from 1995 all the way, of course, to the tech bubble. I don't know what happened to the stock market in 1948. Maybe you do. So from a market perspective, is there some better historical comparison we can make about what is likely to happen? Well, we hope we're looking at an environment that, that you know, like a 2015, 2018 type of environment. 2015, the Fed raised rates um, once and we got a significant tightening of financial conditions and they had to back off. And then the cycle continued. Similarly, in 2018, with the with the U.S.-China trade war, financial conditions tightened, the market sold off, and then the administration provided more clarity on what the trade picture would look like. So we're in an environment right now, Brian, where we're dealing with a lot of policy uncertainty, given 7% inflation. When you're dealing with policy uncertainty, markets are going to be more volatile. We see financial conditions tightening. We see leading indicators of the economy rolling over. So what will need to happen here is we will need to see inflationary pressures down and policy back off. Can can the stock market rise this year, Brian? I think the stock market can rise this year. I think we'll be higher than where we are today. And, you know, maybe like a 2011, a flat to slightly positive year on a total return basis. Brian Levitt of Invesco. Brian, we appreciate your views. Opportunity Fridays here. Have a great weekend. We'll see you soon. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right, we are just getting started. And when we come back, the monthly jobs number is out later on this morning. Is it possible that we could see a negative print? And if so, how is that possible in maybe the hottest job market of all time? The CEO of Recruiter.com is here. Plus, would you believe an $850 upside to a stock in the next year? It's true. And the stock that star analyst Scott Mushkin calls the Kraken is ahead. There's your mystery chart. We'll show you the name when we're back right after this. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Justin and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack.
But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. All right, welcome back. Time now for your Friday Big Money Movers. Three key stock stories that are happening right now. Stock number one is Ford swinging to a fourth quarter profit, but it did fall short of analysts' forecasts, and that stock is down 5% right now. Sales also missing estimates. Supply chain issues continue to impact its ability to meet demand. Ford, though, giving an upbeat outlook for the year, saying it's got more than 275,000 orders for reservations for its all-electric Mustang Mach-E, the F-150 Lightning, and E-Transit commercial vans. Stock two is Pinterest. Shares bouncing back from yesterday in a big way. It's up 15% right now. It reported its first full-year profit, more than $2 billion in annual sales, saying it's added 6 million new users in just the last month. And stock number three, Clorox, getting its clock cleaned right now. Stock is down 11%. Clorox profit fell 67%, demand dropping for its disinfecting wipes. Clorox also expecting a net sales decline of 1% to 4% this year, obviously coming off some very hard pandemic sales comps and Remember when everybody was buying everything to wipe stuff down because we thought that would help? Remember that? Me neither. All right, the January jobs number is out today. And despite the fact there are 10.5 million open jobs in America, it is possible this report could show almost no job gains or even a negative number. The average estimate is for a gain of only 150,000 jobs. But there's some economists that are expecting job losses of up to four. Hundred thousand. This, despite employers desperate for workers, really any workers. And check this out: Recruiter.com estimates hiring spending will increase by fifty billion dollars this year. Joining us now is Evan Sohn, Chairman and CEO of Recruiter.com. Evan, welcome. We got a lot of people that are up early watching this show right now that run companies, trying to figure out how can I find the best people. Help them answer that question. What do they need to do to get not not only an employee, Evan, but a loyal employee? Yeah, you're asking a great question. And good morning, Brian. Um, You know, the, the challenge right now is that the quit rate is actually much, much higher than the hire rate. And I know we're all waiting the 830 job numbers. Uh, But we actually look at the higher numbers, how many people are actually hired throughout the month, whether they're new or not, that's still affecting the overall recruiting industry and the turnover associated with companies. So while the numbers last month were actually uh, disappointing, 6.2 million people were actually hired in December. That's the December numbers. Uh, And 4.3 million people quit. So if you look at those numbers uh, as a percentage of the 2019 average, Uh, We're hiring 7.3% more than the average in 2019, but we're quitting 23% higher. So just on the December alone, 30% more people quit this December than last December. So how do you keep up with that? And that's really the challenge, Brian, right? You got to start hiring faster. And what we actually started to see as an indicator of this expense is companies were stocking up on recruiters like stocking up on Purell before the pandemic. And we saw this incredible demand, and we're still seeing it now for recruiters. Yeah, recruiting is back. I mean, it's uh, maybe that's its own job market, Evan. And, you know, with all due respect to anybody out there, I can't stand the term the great resignation other than saying it right now. 
I won't use it because I don't think it's an accurate call. I know people just say it. I don't like the term because you just laid out the data. Resignation implies people are quitting and they're leaving and they're going away. You just said it. People are working. They're just they're changing jobs. Maybe it's the job hopper economy more than the great resignation. And why not? You're in a lousy job. Somebody's going to hire you and make you, you know, pay you more. You're going to do that. Where are people going? They're not quitting forever. They're just changing jobs. That's what right. are they doing? That's right. That's right. So let's make it even e- let's make it even easier. If I'm working remote and I've created this remote working environment, who cares who I'm? My computer's the same. My, I'm still in my same office. I could be working for another company next week, and my life won't change. My commute's not going to change. All those other things aren't going to change because I'm working remote. So the price that companies are paying for allowing people to work from anywhere is it's just so much easier to switch jobs. And by the way, that fifty billion dollars yep. is that the average cost to hire is actually that's the the money spent on hiring in 2020 was $4,425. So just take a look at that number. And that's on the low end side of the market, not the executive level side. So if you start looking at that number multiplied by the sheer millions of people more than get, get, that are going to get hired in 22, that number is going to be over 50, that number is going to be $50 billion. You may have millions of workers, Evan, younger in particular, who've never met their coworkers. Are people loyal to companies or are they loyal to other people? Yeah, incredible. And there was a, st- a study done where, you know, 40% of people, their friends are from work. What if you never actually go to work? Then you never actually have friends. You have virtual friends, <laughs> which kind of defies the age. Evan Sohn, uh, wow, I- incredible. And by the way, job recruiters may be the hottest job market. Evan, thank you. Th- that's right. That's right. All right, Evan Sohn, Recruiter.com, hey, CEO, so much, Wild Brian. Times. All right, you're very, wake, uh, very very welcome, Evan, on a Jobs Friday. Have a great weekend. I almost said wakened, which at this hour, by the way, is incredibly appropriate. All right, still on deck from the NFL to the NFT craze. Wide receiver Des Bryant is here. Talk athletes, NFTs, and what is looking like a 21st century trading card. Stick around. Today's big number, $39,351. That was the average outstanding student loan balance in 2021, according to a report by educationdata.org. Over 43 million people in the U.S. currently carry a balance. Federal student loan bills are set to resume in May after being on pause for over two years. Justin and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.
All right, welcome back. I want to follow up now on a story that we brought to you from London back in November. Remember that? The risk that electricity and power costs for millions of British families would spike. Well, sadly, that reporting turned out to be correct, and it's happening right now. The UK's power regulator, known as Offgem, has just approved the biggest ever price hike for power companies. As of April 1st, they will be able to raise electricity rates to consumers by 54%. That is on top of a 12% hike approved back in October. This is being done because more UK power companies risk going out of business unless they can pass along the higher prices they are paying for fuel, namely natural gas. England has been desperate to buy nat gas on the spot market and is paying huge premium to do so. It is in part because UK policymakers closed their only natural gas field back in 2017 and renewables like wind, simply are not producing the kind of power the company needs or a country needs when or where it needs it. And there is no other replacement for coal or nuclear power that has gone offline in recent years. This means that the hike could mean that British families may end up paying around $1,000 more per year for heat and electricity. And some agencies now predict this could increase or this increase could send one in 10 British families into what they call energy poverty, with some perhaps even to choose between heating or eating. By the way, this all happening at the same time that national income tax and national insurance rates are also set to rise in England. So it is going to be a very tough year for millions of British households. Now, in response, the UK government is quickly trying to blunt the impact of higher costs by offering up subsidies to family. Families, but many say it will not be enough. And this may get worse before it gets better because there is the very real possibility that rates will go up again this coming October, which means that families in the UK could be facing three electricity price hikes in just one year and nearly maybe a doubling. All right, it's early, so let's be a little more blunt about what is happening in England right now. The UK government is now proposing spending UK taxpayer money to give back UK taxpayers who are facing massive energy cost spikes due to terrible planning by the UK government. It's an energy crisis that is trying to be solved by the same people who created it. Think about that. All right, let's get a check on this morning's other top stories, including the crazy weather we are having in about half the nation. Francis Rivera. What is going on with this weather? It's awful. I'll tell you what, we haven't seen a storm like this in a while. It just stretches through so many states. This major winter storm wreaking havoc across the country. Snow, sleet causing hundreds of crashes in the south, some turning deadly. A tornado in Alabama leaving at least one person dead, injuring several others. Tens of thousands in Texas are without power as the state battles freezing temperatures. And freezing rain downing power lines in Tennessee with over 100,000 also without electricity. Now to this story, one of the two men convicted of killing Ahmad Arbery won't plead guilty in his federal hate crime case. Lawyers for Gregory McMichael said they are ready for a trial to begin on Monday. And his son, Travis McMichael, they were convicted of murder in November for the fatal shooting of Arbery in 2020. Earlier this week, a district judge rejected the terms of a proposed plea deal, which would have called for a 30-year sentence for both men to be served at the same time as the state life terms. We are only about an hour away from the opening ceremony in Beijing. The 2022 Winter Games officially kick off this morning. 
Tonight, look for some big air here as the U.S. women make their first runs in slope-style qualifying, while the American mixed doubles curling team looks to slide back into the win column against Sweden. So kicking off all the action at the games, a very different-looking games in so many fronts in so many ways, Brian. But still, when it comes down to it, the competition's still there. Kicking it off. Can't wait. Francis Rivera, thank you, and we will see you on Monday. Have a great weekend. Have a good one. All right, straight ahead here on Worldwide Exchange. From Meta and Snap to Pinterest and PayPal, digging into the wild post-earning stock swings and the unusual options action that could be playing a big role. We're going to hit that as NASDAQ futures, they are soaring this morning. We are back right after this. The market roller coaster, it is not over yet. Futures working to mount a bounce following Thursday's Meta-led meltdown. What Meta taketh, Amazon apparently giveth back. Its shares are soaring on the back of results. And, oh, get ready to pony up a little more dough for your Prime account. NASDAQ futures, they are higher. And your weekly insider buying is back, including one Fang CEO snapping up 20 million bucks of his own company stocks, one of the biggest insider buys we have ever seen. Who is it? Well, you got to stick around to see on this Friday, February 4th, and this is Worldwide Exchange. Oh, welcome or welcome back, everybody, and good Friday morning or good Friday evening if you're watching us from Australia or Asia. Thanks for joining us. All right, here's how your money in the global markets are setting up their day. Stock futures, they are higher across the board. Dow futures not doing much, but nobody watches those anymore. Everybody only cares about the NASDAQ, and they are up about 1%. A little off their peak in the pre-market, but still, they are higher across the board. All this coming off a 4% hit for the NASDAQ on Thursday. And by the way, that was the NASDAQ's biggest drop since September of 2020. Not only did it fall, you had a lot of activity. Very heavy volume in the S&P 500 and NASDAQ ETFs. They had about oh, 20 or 30% more volume than normal. As oil stocks go down, or stocks go down rather, oil keeps going higher. It hit 90 bucks a barrel yesterday. It is now at $91 per barrel today. It is the first time since the fall of 2014 that oil has had a nine handle in the price. Demand is up, inventories are down, and it means that gasoline prices are going to go up, up, up in the weeks ahead. Hey, don't blame me. It just happened. All right. Also outperforming today, shares of Snap. They are skyrocketing on the back of fourth quarter results. They top estimates on earnings, revenue, and user growth. Snap reporting its first quarterly net profit ever. Shares, of course, hit during Thursday's meltdown because of Facebook and the sell-off on the SOCL social ETF. Well, they are bouncing back as well today, up big time in the pre-market, we are seeing a, dare we call it, snap back. But we would never say that. All right, sticking with tech and shares of Amazon. That stock is surging. Right now, Amazon on pace for its biggest one-day jump in a decade. Put a different way, Amazon may add $200 billion in market value today. And that would not only be the single biggest market cap gain in American stock market history, it would be bigger than the market value of 90% of the companies in the S&P 500. Think about that. Highlights from Amazon's quarter include these. 
a gain of $12 billion from their investment in Rivian. Earnings of $5.80 on sales of $137 billion. It's fourth quarter single-digit sales growth, the highest since 2017. Amazon Web Services cloud revenue, nearly $18 billion. Advertising revenue of $31 billion for the year. Oh, and by the way, get ready to pay more. They are raising their prime fees 17%. You will now pay $139 per year. All of this, by the way, very good news for one Jeff Bezos and that bridge-destroying yacht that he is building. Joining us now is R5 Capital founder and CEO Scott Mushkin. Scott, great to have you back on again. Uh, amazing. Yesterday, back, Facebook was it was the end of the world. The stock market was at zero. People were crying in the streets. Today, Amazon ready to give it all back. I mean, what was the most impressive thing to you about Amazon's numbers? Oh, gosh, you know, I, I laid in three places, honestly. You have the North American business. It looks like they're going to come down an investment cycle. So you're going to really see the profits go higher. And they talked about that on their, on their earnings call. The second thing, you know, obviously AWS just continues to just crush it. Um, you know, massive growth and the growth trajectory there looks, looks really solid. And the final thing is something you pointed out, the, the Rivian uh, state. We call it the Kraken. I mean, Amazon has so many tentacles and so many different businesses. You know, we think the sum of the parts here is actually well above where it even will open today. Um, I would say four to five thousand dollars a share is, is easy with all the pieces inside that company. Yeah, what is it? Release the Kraken, right? I mean, Release that's it. Kraken, How exactly. much? By the way, should Amazon, if Rivian stock? I know you're not a Rivian analyst, or maybe you are. I don't know, Scott. No, soared at the IPO. It's down over a hundred bucks a share. Uh, the stock's been all over the place, but there's a lot of optimism around the company. Would now be a good time for Amazon to sell that stake? Or should they keep it? Well, I mean, I think on a, on a broader perspective, I'm not going to tell them what to do on one stock or not, but I think on a broader perspective, if they take the shareholder value, the company's got to start thinking about, um, as you said, unleashing the crack and unleashing some of these pieces to increase shareholder value. I mean, the thing that gets talked about always is, you know, spinning off AWS. You know, they've kind of tapped that down, but it's always a possibility. Um, but, you know, you go into a Best Buy, for instance, and they made an announcement with Best Buy that AWS is going to be their provider on the cloud, but you walk through a Best Buy, seven displays are Amazon. You know, so they're huge in devices, they're huge in AI, they're huge in robotics, so they have a pharmacy business attached to it. Um, so there's just a lot of different pieces here. And eventually we think um, you may see something like AT&T where the thing just kind of breaks up a little bit. I mean, we even talk about the big distribution and logistics company they yeah. have, you know, state of the art. So, I mean, there's just a lot of value inside this company that is likely to be unleashed to shareholders over time. Let's talk about this prime price hike because, you know, just as a consumer, I've thought time to time about, is it worth it, right? You pay the 99, Mm -hmm. then the 119, it's now going to 139. And you're thinking, okay, could I do better somewhere else? I never price shop on Amazon. Are they going to lose anybody? Or is Amazon in your mind, Scott, just basically a public utility at this point and people are going to pay the increase and move on and not even think about it. You know, it, it's funny. So Archive is a research and consulting firm on consumers. So we've done a lot of research on the, the value of a prime membership. It's sky high. Um, but your point is actually really interesting about being a utility. And what they're doing, especially in North America, I think they're going to 24 markets that are going to be five hours or less of delivery. Unmatched logistics. It's a need to have, not a want to have. I know there was an article 
uh, recently talking about, hey, how do you get, you know, how do you lose your prime membership? After I read that, I was like, why would you want to lose your prime membership? It's got amazing amounts of value for the consumer. You know, it'll probably lead some people. Um, I think anytime you put a, a price increase like that through, you do uh, shed a few customers. But in the end, the value of a prime membership is really significant. And they can do things other companies just can't do. A couple million items to your house in 24 metro markets in North America in five hours or less. Um, and that's the bottom line. And so we do look at it as a little bit of a utility. Yeah. In fact, we wonder if the government will start to look at it as a little bit of a utility over time, too, just because it has <laughs> it's a building. It's a, it's a building monopoly, right? It's they, they're going to spend $60 billion at least again in CapEx. Uh, some of that's going to, a lot of that's going to go to AWS, but still in the U.S., they, they've doubled their square footage in their distribution. We all see yeah. those little Amazon trucks running around. Um, so in effect, it's kind of the modern day mailman. Uh, it's kind of how we, we would phrase it. Yeah. And, and by the way, you know, we talk about Netflix raises their price by a buck and everybody's on CNBC saying they're going to lose customers. Amazon raises by 20 and nobody talks about it. I have a feeling that some senators who shall be unnamed are going to love showing pictures of Jeff Bezos's 400 foot sailboat having to tear down an old bridge in the Netherlands just to get out to the sea. That's going to be a great contrast. Scott Bushkin, we appreciate your time. Have a great day and a great weekend, Scott. Thank you very Thanks much. Thanks for having me again. Appreciate it. All right, you're very welcome. By the way, if you don't know that story, Jeff Bezos' new yacht is so big, they got to tear down an old bridge just to get the boat out to sea. They'll rebuild it. Don't worry. All right, coming up, a bonus edition of Big Money Movers and a video game software maker seeing shares take off on earnings. But first... Some other key headlines that are happening right now. Coinbase giving users the option of receiving their refunds in crypto. Exchange teaming up with TurboTax for the offering. Users will be able to pick from over 100 cryptos that the refund deposited into. Assuming you get a refund. The world's most influential money manager entering a new space, TikTok. BlackRock beginning an account on the social media app. Its first post, a clip featuring a group of young professionals in what appears to be the firm's office. Hidden message. Get back to the darn office. And after a two-year absence, Southwest Airlines bringing booze back on board. Drinks shall return. Beginning February 16th, the union representing Southwest flight attendants calls the move unsafe and irresponsible because some people drink too much and act like idiots. Don't do that. We're back in a moment. All right, good morning and welcome back and happy Friday. We are seeing stock futures, well, they're mixed, but the NASDAQ is probably the only thing you care about right now. It controls the market anyway. Dow futures, they're flat, but like I said, NASDAQ's where the action's at. Net action is higher. They are a little off their peak, but they're still up about 1%. Who are the gainers? Well, look at that, Amazon. You heard about that. I mean, a massive gain. Amazon today, if you literally just joined us, Amazon today could add more market value in one day than any company in American history, if those gains hold. That's random, but interesting. Mercado Libre, Zoom, DocuSign, and CrowdStrike all on the move. What about the crypto markets? They've been down this year. What are they doing today? Kind of a volatile week for them as well. They've been tracking a little bit with the NASDAQ, and they, like the NASDAQ, are higher right now. All right, we're going to give you a quick bonus edition of Big Money Movers right now. All right, first up, Unity Software. Shares are rallying. The company reported quarterly beats on both the top and the bottom lines. Losses were better than analysts had been expecting. The gaming engine company saying it sees opportunity in the transition to, quote, interactive.
active real-time 3D, whatever that is. That will drive growth for decades. Next up is shoe company Skechers, setting a new record for full-year sales last year. Shoe company saying its growth was driven by strong direct-to-consumer channels and improvements at supply chain slowdowns. And finally, GoPro is going up on its earnings beat. Camera maker bringing in strong revenue growth from its subscription services. GoPro also intends to increase its hardware offerings to four new cameras, up from two. You go, GoPro. All right, on deck. Your weekly insider buying segment is back, and it's a big one. We have one of the biggest ever insider buys of all time. It's a beaten up name you know from a company you know. You've got to hear it. By the way, Amazon and other sector players surging on their results. Susquehanna's Chris Murphy breaks down how options may be fueling all of this. And as we go to break, all month long, we are celebrating Black History Month and featuring some of our CBC contributors. Here's David Henderson with his personal story experiencing discrimination. My wife and I had our house appraised twice last year so we could sell it, and the second time, it appraised almost $50,000 higher than it did the first time. What changed? The first time we were home. The second time we made sure that we weren't. And we took down all the pictures of ourselves and our family. One of the most important things you can do to improve the financial future for the black community is recognize that discrimination like this occurs. Because you can't fix what you won't acknowledge. They say rainy days and Mondays always get you down. How about rainy days and Fridays? It's a little warmer, but raining. And by the way, the White House lit up all in beautiful red, white, and blue. Done for the kickoff of the Winter Olympics tonight. All right, it's time now for your weekly insider buying segment. It is back, and this is where we highlight the top five stocks being bought the most by their C-suite level execs with their own money. And as always, the data comes with our thanks to InsiderScore.com and Verity Platforms. And as always... We are counting you down five to one. By the way, these stocks, they've been moving on these insider buys. So let's go. All right. Stock number five, Verizon, a buy just under a million bucks by CEO Hans Vesterberg. That was his first ever insider transaction. Stock four, Microsoft, a $1 million buy by board member Emma Walmsley. If that name sounds familiar, it should. She's the CEO of GlaxoSmithKline. And it was her second million-dollar buy in a year. Stock number three, cable company Charter. CEO buying $1.6 million of that stock. By the way, Insider Score notes this executive has a very good insider buying track record. In other words, tends to buy when the stock is ready to go up. Stock number two, Next Era. Outgoing CEO James Robo buying just under $5 million worth. He is part of a group, by the way, of five insiders buying nearly $6 million in the stock. He did the bulk of it, of course. And the biggest insider buy of the week is a big name with a big move. Netflix. CEO Reed Hastings stepping up with a massive $20 million buy. By the way, his first ever massive insider buy of Netflix. He bought 51,000 plus shares. 
at about 389 per share. Stock has been crushed. So Hastings stepping up on weakness, one of the biggest insider buys we have ever seen. So there you go. The top insider buys this week, big names, all Verizon, Microsoft, Charter, NextEra, by the way, the biggest renewables maker in America, and Netflix. We do this almost every Friday, and it's a segment you will only see and hear on WEX or on CNBC Pro. And by the way, if you're not a member of CNBC Pro, what are you waiting for? Sign up today. All right, let's get back now to the broader markets looking to bounce back after Thursday's big sell-off. Now, that rebound being fueled in part by dramatic post-earning surges from Amazon, Snap, and Pinterest. It is a different story from fellow techies like Facebook, PayPal, and Netflix, which were crushed after their results. But these big swings, I mean huge swings, maybe less about the results and more about the options action. We have talked about it a lot. Let's talk about it again Chris Murphy, co-head of Derivative Strategy at Susquehanna. Chris, welcome back. We need your insight. Listen, I'm not going to knock anybody anywhere for saying the Fed may raise rates one more time this year, so that's why the market is down 8%. I think that's not the case, but we can disagree. That may be the fuse, but it's the options activity that I believe is causing these huge swings and big volume jumps. If I'm wrong, please tell me I can handle it. What's going on under the hood? No, I mean, I, I think that you're right. I think that, um, you know, the uh, you know everyone's talking about gamma, right? The option positions when they need to be hedged that exacerbate the moves, um, the very near-term swings. Now, you know, why is the S&P down 12% uh, or why, why did it correct 12% peak to trough? Why was it down 5% in, in uh, January? That's not because of the options, and that's not because of the gamma. What the options are doing is they're leading to more very near-term swings and exacerbating near-term moves. So the intermediate direction is not as much impacted by these short-term op- options because, remember, they expire within a couple of days. The ones that are having the most impact are, have, are expiring within a couple of days. They're not having a lasting impact. But, uh, but the choppiness, the, uh, the intraday moves, that the options are clearly having an impact on that. Volatility is higher in general. When volatility gets higher, uh, naturally liquidity decreases a bit, and that becomes somewhat of a negative feedback loop between the two of those. And then you just have some uh, larger near-term option positions, uh, whether it's because of earnings or hedging or anything else. So they're all having a big impact on the very near-term swings. And do we have any indication of which way most of these options participants in these big-name stocks want the stocks to go? Are they put-buying? Are they call-buying? Or they don't care. They're just looking to profit from the volatility itself. Well, it's it's a mixed bag. If you were to ask me that question in 2021, I would say most of this is playing for the upside. We saw a lot more call activity, especially the kind of the odd lot, small lot that we kind of more toward the retail trading. Um, You know, small lot. Uh, premiums, it's down about 50% from peak GME levels. That was when all the focus was on the calls. We're actually seeing with the OCC data recently, uh, new highs in opening uh, small put activity. So uh, it's not outsized on the puts. It's a little more even, and it just depends on the stock. But if you're looking at Amazon, for example, you know sentiment got so negative yesterday with Facebook. Uh, you, got, you saw a lot of people you know, taking positions in Amazon. You saw a lot of trading going on. And then all of a sudden, you know, Amazon has good earnings and it bounces all the way back. And that kind of speaks to the intraday swings. Um, 
you know, not only are we seeing the intraday swings, yeah. we're seeing some of the largest overnight moves that we've seen in a long time as well. And is that because, at least with the S&P 500, the liquidity, believe it or not, is terrible? I mean, the worst in two years on many metrics. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely not going to help. Now, uh, the market's also selling off more than it has in two years. and So there's just a clear relationship between the liquidity and the volatility. You know, when markets are making bigger swings and when you're expecting bigger swings every day, things are going to widen out and things are going to thin out. And that's kind of just natural. It goes back to that feedback loop a little bit. Um, you know, we're going to have to wait to see till uh, we're starting to see some volatility sellers come in. Uh, when that becomes more consistent, you know, maybe we start to see a cap on the volatility, the cap on the swings a little bit, and we start to uh, uh, return back to normal a little bit there. Is there any macro trade that you can see right now with your options crystal ball, Chris? In other words, are people betting that, you know, the S&P or the NASDAQ is going to boom or that, you know, the Chinese market's going to go up? Is there any directional indication that you can give us on a macro level? Sure. I mean, you mentioned the Chinese market. We have seen consistent uh, bullish flow in, you know, ETFs like the FXI and the KWEB the last couple weeks now. I mean, the, 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 the rebound hasn't really happened. There's been a couple kind of false wow. starts there. But uh, investors do seem to be focusing on uh, China outperforming this year. I mean, if you think about it, if we're really, really focused on central banks and the Fed, you know, it's getting a lot tighter here. Uh, there are signs that it's loosening out there. And if that's what drives markets, and it has for a while now, uh, maybe this is finally the year that China outperforms. We're definitely seeing some of that there. Um, yesterday, when the S&P was selling off uh, pretty aggressively, right at the end of the day, we did see a large bullish trade in the SPY, very near term, uh, just uh, about uh, a month out. Uh, looking for a rebound back to the uh, levels that we started this year. That was just one trade. I mean, the trades really are all over the place. We've been trying to pick through them, but uh, we are seeing that trend in uh, the China stocks for sure. Wow, a bit of a bullish move. Maybe it has something to do with Olympic optimism. Who, who knows? Either way, any advice for our viewers for next week, Chris? What should we be set up for? You know, so the typical... Um, you know, peak to trough uh, correction for the S&P is about 15%. Uh, we've had about 12%. You know, it, you know it, obviously it'll be more or less depending on whether there's a recession, what the Fed's doing. If it was up to me, I would think there's probably still a little bit more to go with this. I do think that volatility is pretty high. So, you know, if you think we're going to have another uh, five or so percent from here lower before this whole thing shakes out, I would prefer to look at a put spread, you know, one or two months out. You're not paying as much in, in implied volatility and you're taking advantage of the fact that those downside put options, which you will be selling in a put spread, uh, are, are relatively bid up. Yep. Chris Murphy, Susquehanna, always love your insight, all the stuff that is happening underneath that market layer that causes it to happen. Chris, we appreciate your valuable insight. Thank you very much. Have a great weekend. By the way, folks, Des Bryant was supposed to join us. Talk about NFTs. He bailed. Don't know why, but hey, Cowboys. Folks, have a great day and a great weekend as well. That does it for us here in Worldwide Exchange. Will you see you back here on Monday morning? Have a spectacular weekend. If you're in that storm's path, be careful. Be safe. Nasty weather in a lot of places. Squawk of the gang picking it up next. Some live from California, I'm told. Take care. You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern only on CNBC. 
This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.